The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. Listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, power of water. I'm sitting in Grants Pass, Oregon, in southern Oregon, in the United States of America, many years ago, which we're starting our ninth year with the power of water. I was asked if I wanted to have my own radio talk show, and I said, yes, I'm going to call it The Power of Water and take a message out to the world about our lives and our health. And so we can learn to live with the planet remembering if it wasn't for the water, we wouldn't be alive. Water is a living species. It's alive. Way back in time, billions of years ago, before the Earth had life, There was water in the atmosphere clear around the whole ball of what we call now Earth. And that water was called atmospheric water. Water vapor was in the air. And when Gene Cernan was out there as an astronaut, he'd look back at Earth and see this blue ball. It's still there, the water in the atmosphere. When you were born and you left the pocket of water, of your mother and entered into that moment, into the air, the atmosphere, at that second in your delivery, what keeps you alive is that invisible water in the air that brought all life to earth, the fresh water. And without that fresh water on the planet, there is going to be a diminishing of life, leading us away from what started the beginning of this planet. It all began with recycling and time and patience. But our problem is that we've noticed it's not a problem. I'm just going to call it what it is. It's a crisis. Something fell through the cracks somewhere. I believe personally, after studying water as long as I have, I've been, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center. I have been studying freshwater the atmospheric water and our evaporation of our bodies that are going too quickly, we're evaporating too quickly. It's called dehydration, but it's evaporation of your body water loss from birth. It begins, begins the moment you're born until you're passed away, your death to death. Body water loss. No two people are the same. No two eyes alike. No two fingerprints alike. You're that special and different. Dehydration is playing a role in your personal evaporation of body water loss. Yes, that 8 to 10 glasses of water a day are vital. 
let's get the doctors out there discussing it again to remind you. Let's get our Twitters going to remind us. We all have to be reminded of what we need to do because we get so busy during the day. We forget that the surface of our eyes is 99% water. What is vision impairment? All the way to blindness. Dry eye is causing you to go blind. Water loss, evaporation of your tear film. Your brain is 80 to 85% water, and the brain and the eyes are connected together at the moment of the original organism of the eyes and the brain that connected at that minute. Teeth are 8 to 10. Lungs are 70 to 5 to 80. Liver, 70 to 75. Bones, 20 to 25. Heart, 75 to 80. Skin, 70 to 75. Our lives, look at what happens with melanoma. It's out of control, and I predicted that over 30 years ago. Blood, 50%. Muscle, 70 to 75%. Kidneys, 80 to 85%. Remember, When you're drinking all that coffee, and yes, a moderate amount of coffee is okay, and they're finding it's okay, but it can dehydrate you if you drink too much. Same thing with everything else, alcohol, marijuana, very dehydrating. You start complaining about all your symptoms, just remember, dehydration. The body can only handle so much dehydration, evaporation. No different than you're looking out at the planet Earth is going through it with you. It's dehydrating, evaporating too. We need to learn what to do about it. Today we have Dr. Dwayne Cecil, PhD on. He's the Chief of Climatology at Global Science and Technology in Asheville, North Carolina. We're going to discuss some real down-to-earth discussions today. Something that has been left behind with you not knowing really what's happening out there with a problem and a crisis. You need better education worldwide. Well, listen to our sponsor first, though. Biologic Aqua has a product, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, that owns patents in dry eye and supplementation of the water loss of the tear film worldwide. And they're going into China with one of their other patents very soon to help supplement the air's problem. Individuals have been wearing face masks to protect themselves with a different webbing of the face mask for filtering the problems of the air in China and around the world. Now they're going to have nature's tears eye mist to supplement the eyes because you cannot cover your eyes with a mask. You have to see where you're going. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with tissue culture grade of water is the trade secret of the product. We'll listen to our sponsor with Just a Mist, and we'll be right back with Dr. Cecil. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Cecil, are you with us? I am. Well, thank you. And I want the audience to know that you are one of the busiest people I have ever met. <laughs> so thank you, thank you for being here and remind everybody that... On March 20th is World Water Day, and the world has, must take notice of what you're going to be teaching us today. So tell us, you chose a subject, and we're going to let you pretty well carry this show today, Doctor. So you can teach us about what's happening out there with water. Okay. Sounds like fun. Okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's talk about what's just happened in our country in this last winter. And we'll talk about Boston getting over eight feet of snow and California in the grips of the worst drought they've been in since we started recording temperatures and drought conditions. And so you get these arguments going. People say, well, you talk about climate change and global warming, and yet Boston is is in the throes of a record snowfall winter however california is in the throes of a record uh drought no rain no snowfall record high temperatures and so it comes back to the the basic idea that that climate change in the atmosphere and i've i've, I've said this before on your show that if you think of the earth as a basketball our atmosphere is a sheet of paper stretched over that basketball that's that's how thin our atmosphere is compared to our planet and it allows life as we know it on Earth, and that's where water vapor is so so important in that atmosphere, as as well as obviously oxygen and, and some other things. But so what we have going is this energy balance issue in that thin sheet of paper stretched around that basketball, our our atmosphere stretched around around planet Earth. So as energy builds up in one part of that atmosphere, the Earth moves that energy around by storms and by weather patterns. And so people say, well, we've got record snow in, in the Northeast. Uh, the city of Boston's over 100, and I believe they're right at 108 to 110 inches, somewhere right in there right now, which broke the all-time record for snowfall. So I don't believe in global warming. And yet on the other side of the continent in the Southwest, California, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, that whole area is under a long-term drought. They had heavy rainfalls in December. Everybody thought, oh, the drought's over. Well, it turns out that the month of January was the the uh, driest month on record, and February was the warmest month since we've been keeping records in California. Since 1895, February was the the warmest February in history. And they're getting a heat wave this week. And they're getting a heat wave this week. Now they're mm-hmm. predicting some storms to come in off the Pacific 
next week to st- that that are carrying moisture and they hope to get some relief from this drought. But but I'll give you for example, since we've been keeping records since the gold rush in 1849 in San Francisco area. In February, they had no measurable precipitation for the month of February in San Francisco. That's the first time that's happened since records started in 1849. So you see these patterns around the globe that that some storms seem to be intensifying, seasons seem to be intensifying both cold and snowy and warm and dry winters. And, And again, it comes back to this as, as we change the energy balance, or and it doesn't matter if it's a natural change or if around megacities of 10 million people or, or more, around those megacities, we are influencing the environment. We're influencing the atmosphere. We are changing the local weather patterns. The climate variability is going up. And so there is a, there's a human component to this and a human driver. But even if you take that out and say it's all natural, the fact remains that we are getting apparently more intense seasons, whether they're colder and snowier or drier and warmer, the seasons are becoming more and more intense. A lot of arguments have been made that because of rapid communication and population changes, population increasing, that it, that it appears that these storms are and these seasons are more extreme because there's more people in the way and the communications are more rapid. That certainly is is part of the story, but I mean to ask the questions: What's changing the climate, and and what are the drivers, and and how do we address it? I don't think are the right questions. The questions are: How do we understand how this variability is is coming about? How these, how, what the changes are, and what we think might happen two years, five years, ten years from now? You can't really predict out that far, and and yet. I'm a climate scientist, and as a climate scientist, we try to look at trends in the past and and talk about what we think the future might bring. But the real questions are, how do we start addressing, for instance, just last week, NASA scientists announced that California, and I keep coming back to California as an example because they're, they're going through a really severe drought right now. California has about, at, at present levels of usage, approximately one year of water availability left in the system. One year. You're talking about one in every eight Americans lives in the state of California. A population of 38 million people. It was dramatically increased in the 1900s, the population there. So wow. what happens a year from now if, if, if we don't get the weather pattern set up to start coming out of this drought in the Southwest, in the Western United States. And the snowpack in the Rocky Mountains, there's some areas in, the, in this past winter, they're at 10% of normal snowpack. That's where the water comes from for the people in the West, for farming, for industry, for everything. Mm-hmm. If, wow. if we don't get the and weather patterns... Know, I'm I look back ahead. at uh, the former Governor Brown. And I've said this to you before, um, that he said in the early 60s with his legislature, legislature, we can't make mistakes in California. We always must make sure we have our water. And they built those canals. They put a lot of inter- money and investment into building those concrete canals. Yes. Yeah, they have. They've put a, they've put a tremendous amount of money. And I've, I've mentioned to you before on your show, too, and, your, and your, your readers, if they... 
or your listeners, if they get a chance, there's a book called Cadillac Desert, and the author is Mark Reisner. Mark Mark's no longer with us, but the book is is still very very relevant and and, and up to date. It was uh, I believe it was uh, the first publication was in the 80s, 1980s. But it's called Cadillac Desert, and it gives a history of water law in the United, Western United States and the building of dams for for irrigation and recreation, and the Bureau of Reclamation and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, and how the states responded to as population increased and development began in earnest in the early 1900s. Where was the water going to come from? And so this has been an issue in the western half of our country and the eastern half as well. I mean, we we have recently long periods of of extended periods of drought in in Georgia and Alabama and the southeast which you one wouldn't think of but we've we've, we've had them we've experienced them the city of Atlanta was in some dire straits a couple of years ago because of drought so now, what is with- happening in Florida Dr. Cecil uh, we've got on one end of our country a state called Florida with a lot of wetlands, and they're having challenges. And, and you've got on the other side, and they get very uh, type of weather that could be severe droughts. And then you over here in California on the West Coast, you've got a state that gets consistently a lot warmer weather. What is happening in Florida with their water situation? Well, you know, that, that's a good question. That is temperatures. If you're in a drought situation. And, and your atmospheric temperatures, the air temperatures are increasing, which we are going through. There's, there's no debate about that. Again, the debate comes back to is it natural or, or humans causing it? Let's, let's take that debate out of the question and let's come back to the fact that the air temperatures are increasing and have been increasing over the last century. So as air temperatures increase and you get in a drought situ- situation, it's exacerbated. So that soil moisture starts evaporating, it increases the air temperatures because you don't have this, this insulation effect, and so your drought gets even worse. And, and that's what happens when you have warm areas like Florida, Georgia, Alabama that get into drought situations, or California that get into drought situations, California, Arizona, New Mexico. So to, And their to, soil is turning to sand. And the soil is, and and we're we're trying to use more of our land for agriculture, for development of of housing, of, of cities, of all kinds of things. So we're we're affecting the soil in that way, and the weather around us, the, the climate's becoming more variable. The weather patterns around us, we we all can think about back to our youth and what winters and summers were like as we grew up, and what they are like now, and that the, the, the Weather and climate has changed everywhere. Now, Dr. Cecil, something came to mind. You know, something came to my mind to think about out there that maybe a lot of people might not. We're living as a planet among other planets, and a lot of people think it's kind of maybe a novelty to think about how the other planets are living, and and learning more about the other planets might be a novelty of exploration to travel like a tourist to go out and see. I've never have looked at it that way. I look at us like a planet living in a solar system with a lot of patience and time, algorithm going on with timing because the other planets affect our planet 
because we have the water, we must have a, quite a an influence on their planets. Am I looking at that all wrong? Oh no! All the all the planets definitely influence each other and in, in their movement throughout the universe. But I think that you know what really brings it home for me is when you I keep bringing everything back to population. But when you when you want to talk about exploration of other planets, you know we really have to think about what what's happening here on this planet right now. We surpassed. A couple of years ago, we surpassed 7 billion people on this planet. And by 2035, we're projected to be 9 billion. And so when we start thinking about understanding how the planets influence each other and, and what that means for our planet, I, I'm a giant supporter of that. I really believe that we need to understand. Well, I've got it in front of me. The world population is 7 billion, 301 million 643,789. Newborn babies today are 125,226. This last year, there have been 28,395,000 babies born. We're we're growing. We are definitely growing, and, and because of changing climate, and changing weather patterns. Our agricultural areas are changing. We're losing some agricultural areas because of buildup of salt and desertification and urban sprawl. And yet, in let's see, it's it's now 2015, and so in 20 years, we're going to have another 2 billion mouths to feed. I've seen projections that by 2035, we'll need to double the world's food production. We're losing the fisheries in the ocean. We're losing agricultural land areas in California. Eighty percent of the water annual water usage in California is for agriculture. What's happening to agriculture yeah. in this country? I mean, that's that's one it's of the bread baskets. I, I find that just frightening. Uh, we've gotten so used to. I, I was just saying. I've said it to many people that you go to the grocery store today, and I'm in heaven because I've been studying nutrition for over 45 years, the proper nutrients, and you go into a produce department now, and you're in heaven. And and what they're trying to do for the quality of nutrition in the stores is just extraordinary. And that could change. If, if, If we have a shortage of water, we'll have less to choose from. It's changing around us already. I mean, what you're talking about is in the United States. Yeah, you even go to Europe and you you don't have that selection, and you go to right. other parts of develop of the developed world, the so-called developed world, and you don't have that kind of selection. You go to the developing parts of the planet, places like China and India, you don't have anywhere near that kind of quality and that kind of selection. And so, is that sustainable for three hundred million, about three hundred twenty million of the world's population? Is it sustainable for that kind of a lifestyle? And, oh, and no. It's common sense says, and that's where my worries and now why my research started so long ago is I was really concerned that uh, the lack of education to the streets of the world, that they were very distracted with other things in their life, and those people elected to positions or selected to positions that are bringing in a ton of money to go sit in those positions 
It all mm-hmm. fell through the cracks, Dr. Cecil. There is not the story. We have World Water Day coming up. Have you seen much publicity on that? I have not. I know it. Hey, let's get that committee together. Yeah, yeah. Really <laughs> but need back to, do to the that. whole thing. Yeah. World Water Day is coming. And yep. if I wasn't sitting so busy at a desk getting ready for a big project, I would have started a campaign with every doctor in this country to tweet, drink eight to ten glasses of water every day and value the life in the water that will keep our life on earth for eternity. Uh, and a World Water Day should be like May Day used to be when we were growing up. Do you remember the May Day polls? I do. And we, we need to start a celebration of water to keep ourselves reminded of it. We forget. All of us are human beings living on a planet with a lot of distraction, I call it. And I've always said to my team, focus prevent the distraction, and discipline yourself to do that. Because if, you're, if you don't discipline your focus to slow down the distractions, you can never complete a very important tasks. We have not been doing that with fresh water. You know, uh, it fell through the cracks. Well, and, and I'm, I'm glad you, you said it that way, because if you think about how long you and I have been doing these shows together, and we've talked about myriad topics, when I worked with NASA, we concentrated on satellites and, and Earth observations and the gaps that are coming in Earth observations. And uh, we're, we're going to have to be buying weather data from the Chinese if we don't do something about the Earth observations. And we've talked about those topics. And, and what I'd like to, to point out is that you and I keep coming back to water. It really is. Well, the I have tears of life. in my eyes over this one. Of course, I keep coming. It's the priority of my many years, my personal investment out of our pockets here. We believe that the earth will be for eternity if we all join together with special messengers, with our everything that's available to us to relate every day that without fresh water, there is... Di- there's di- their diseases are rampant already because of dehydration. You yes. talk about drought. The body is so severely dehydrating, droughting. We have all these different descriptions of words. The body is in the worst drought, the human body, that it could ever, ever in- uh, uh, endure. The, pen- the, the abusement of the body is abused because we did not protect the fresh water on the planet to stay at a certain level because the communication of the, uh, the environment's atmosphere is what began the fresh water to be here. The growth of species, all life, came from the beginning of the atmospheres and the fresh water on the planet. It's almost cruel that the number one priority of all life is the water and the atmosphere. It has to be. Right. And it yep. all fell through the cracks. And I, 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 don't want, I don't want to get you into this one. It's almost like what we're doing in the Middle East right now. I look at it, my God, what are we doing here to allow this? this uh, so it's happening with a genocide. Well, we've had a genocide of, of not thinking about the water. And that's a species of life, of earth. Water, and yet we we get our lives going on to where oh we're so busy, 
and we let these things pass on and become complacent, and all of a sudden we're scrambling, oh my God, who's to blame for this? And we're always trying to point a finger, who's to blame? Well, we, and not doing something proactively about it. And the difficulty, again, in this country is because you, you turn the light switch on, and, and the, you hit the light switch, the light comes on. You turn your faucet on, you have fresh water. Right. And we take it for granted, and we just don't well, think about Well, down in California, there's some places that cannot do that. Children were going to school with dirty clothes. There was no laundry. Uh, they didn't have water to cook with. They didn't have water children. And, you know, Dr. Cecil, um, by the way, I'm going to mention to our audience, you went, we were with NASA for about 37 years. I was with the federal government for a little over 31 years, and part of that was with NASA. I worked, worked at NASA headquarters. Okay, so, so you've been out there a long time. You've seen a lot. Yep. You've yep. been to China. You've been around the world. Yes. You've studied it as, a, as an atmospheric scientist, as a climatologist, and as a water scientist. And I look at it. Where have we all been? Having well, we... children that don't have enough water, and we have children around the world, and this is where I can hardly wait for my message to get to the success I'm after, to do something about those 5,000 children a day on the planet dying without water. They're innocent people, depending upon the rest of us, quote, adults, and I have a heck of a time, doctor, saying the word adult lately. What are adults doing to our children and our elderly? Because they have to depend upon the rest of us to make life better so that they know we cared about their life, to protect them from the dangers. Where is the dignity that we, we don't come from that? Morals of dignity, integrity, to respect other people's lives that need us when they're children and they're elderly, depending upon the rest of us. Now, don't you dare say that I'm in my 70s, Dr. Cecil. <laughs> I won't. I'm not elderly. <laughs> you're you're only as young as you feel, you right? I might be. <laughs> you're only as young as you feel. everybody out there, I'm thinking about my future. <laughs> but back to what you've just said today. Uh, we, we've just, we, we're going to come back after we take a break here in a minute, but... We've got, we, I want to find out and pick your brain, and I hope you take a, a, a challenge me on this. What do we do about this? It's a good question. What is going to be done about this now? No longer waiting. And Dr. Cecil, this is why I started Biologic Aqua Research Center. I wanted to prove to people years ago that the atmosphere needs attention. We need to supplement it like we wear clothes. That's a supplement to life, is wearing clothes and food. But we need to find out what do we do about this as an as a audience to the world and how I can bring more people to the table, like I've been doing, and you've been watching that, to the table to do something about it. But we've got to get the streets, all the streets of, the, of, the, of this planet, educated. Because it's, when they get educated, they'll join in. Yeah, well, so we're going to take powerful. a moment for our sponsor, and a thank you for joining us today, and we'll be right back. We'll take a moment for our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Just a Mist, to supplement your eyes. Without your eyes, and if you go blind, you have a problem. And when they become vision impaired, research is proving there could be other problems happening with symptoms other than just dry eye that is causing your health 
and your diseases, your problems, can be seen right through the eyes. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Cecil. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Ciso, we were talking about when I we took before the break that and I was mentioning asking you, after all the things that you've been learning for almost forty years of your life, how would you go about it? Wow, that's a that, that is a that's huge a loaded challenge. question. <laughs> that's a huge challenge. <laughs> and, and, well, you've got to have a you've got to have you're, you've been visionary to get into what you're doing. Uh, I'm visionary with what I want to accomplish. How would you go about it? Well, to get people me, all over the world a priority me, of the planet having yeah, fresh water. Yeah. Well, let me first first talk about what I what I think the challenge. In, in what you've just asked me is, and I'm going to, because I'm American and, and that's my experience and that's my upbringing, I'm going to, I'm going to approach it from being an American. And, and so what does that mean? That means that Americans tend to be innovators and hard workers and really concentrate on the field that they've chosen, whether it's a trade or it's a, 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 a trained field, an educated field. They they tend to just concentrate on that in their lifetime and do an excellent job. And and Americans tend not to uh, attack challenges like you've just given me until we're backed into a corner. And so my fear is that on a global scale and in the United States, we won't really start addressing water problems until we're forced to or we're backed into a corner. So how do we avoid getting to that situation? There are a number of organizations you've pointed out. One of them, there's, there's the annual World Water Day. What does that mean? What comes out of that conference? I believe this year it's in Stockholm. So it's been my experience in participating in these kinds of conferences that scientists and managers and decision makers and practitioners all come together and talk about what they're doing and share ideas and, and share information and then go back to their world and back to where they're working and this is what this, I've mentioned to you before when we were talking about the UN committee. 
that we've got to change that. We've got to do something about that. What you're just saying, you're right. You are right. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 like it's almost like it's human nature to not to 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 address the problem in our way, in our environment, in our homes, in our lives, and it doesn't go any further until we're really facing a crisis. And so how do we get people to start thinking today, it's not too late. Yeah, there's going to no, be No, it's nine, not too late. It can be done, uh, but it has to start today. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree 100%. And, and there are, uh, besides the, the World Water Day uh, conference and, and organization, there's another United Nations organization, supported organization called Water Education for Teachers. And they do tremendous work in, in educating people in around the world. I, and, and I will participate as, as often as I can. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. It's focused on teachers, but that's to bring the teachers then to all the communities right. and all the cities right. with, with more information about water. And I think that, that that is an organization that your listeners should really take a look at, get to know, and see. And anybody can attend these conferences. And, you know, and Doctor, we need to get that organization on our show. I agree. I, I haven't agree more. done it, and that's my fault. You've brought it up to me before about the organization, and um, my program person, I keep forgetting to tell Polly to go get that organization on the show. I'd love to be on when you have them. I'd love to be Let's on together. Let's do that. I'd like I'd to have love to more than it. one on the show. Because I've done that before when we've had more than one, and it works out really well. Yes, and so this is a circuitous answer to your question, but I'm getting there is that kind of an organization on a global scale. I believe they're in 85 countries around the world. They have projects wow. going. And so that kind of an organization where you're going to the teachers of the young people on a global scale with information on the, the power and the need and the the absolute dependence on fresh water. Now, what was the name of that organization again? Let's repeat it again to the audience. It's WET, Water Education for Teachers. Water Education for Teachers. Capital W, capital E, capital T, Water Education for Teachers. And that's really where it, it has to start in the grassroots. Where is, the, where is their organization headquartered at? Bozeman, Montana. Bozeman, Montana. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I am a believer. Many, many years ago, I was president of American Cancer Society, and I started here in the United States, Teens Against to Fight Cancer. And my gosh, the kids just came out of the woodwork, doctor. And I'm a believer of kids getting involved. You can it, it, yeah, There's certain things that you know that kids can't get involved. In everything. But they do find this fascinating. And I told you my story about I was a guest speaker at the Blue Mountain Middle School in Upper New York, and I got a cheering ovation when the faculty thought it would be a boring assembly because <laughs> all I was going to talk about was water. They, left, they went 15 minutes longer. <laughs> uh, I missed my train, and I just kept moving on, and uh, they allowed me 15 minutes longer, which was almost an hour. And uh, the kids were just stood up and cheered like they won in a tournament. 
they enjoyed talking about water, but I brought it to their cell. I brought it to their own body, which at first the faculty looked at me kind of funny when I said, you come from the pocket of your mother's water and you come into the air you breathe. That's all. I didn't go any further with the first one, but I brought it into it. All of a sudden, these kids are sitting there. You could hear a pinfall that they, they never thought of themselves being connected to the water that way, doctor. Right, right. And, no, you know, I, I talk to doctors. I talk to other scientists. I've talked to people on the streets all over the world and what I do. And, you know, they're almost like, an, oh, my God, I always forget about I'm evaporating drought. I have a drought like Earth has a drought. They forget. And then people brag about not drinking enough water. Right. And some people, right. I, I look at it almost like they're bragging, well, I don't have the time, and I know I know I don't drink enough, and I know I should be, but I'm drinking this and drink. But it, it has to be plain water because the wetter the water, the cleaner the water for absorption, and you need to drink it one whole glass at a time. Doctor, would you go water your plants a sip at a time or a glass at a time? Yeah, definitely for a absorption. glass. <laughs> We're a walking plant. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so Dr. Uh, Chow taught us on the show, get up every morning, have two full glasses of water to begin your absorption day. About an hour later, have another full glass, always two glass, full glasses for absorption. And the children were just fascinated. They'd never thought of it. And what we need to do is we need to start maybe getting more people on at once with our shows and getting into these conversations to get the word going, getting some tweets going uh, about this crisis. No, I, I agree 100%. And, and that I'm not a huge fan of, of social media for lots of reasons, but I think in, in this instance, that's a a fantastic way to, to really start learning and see where the connections are between all the different organizations that are involved in water education. For instance, uh, WET, the Water Education for Teachers, has a blog, a very um, robust and, and it's very active blog on water education. Mm-hmm. And so start tying, put, putting those kinds of social media resources together and making mm-hmm. them available to people, and that's mm-hmm. the power of the Internet. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. In fact, uh, I'm making a proposal to a women's, I'm part of a women's international organization of executives worldwide, and I'm going to challenge them, <laughs> these thousands of women worldwide and these thousands of children, and uh, we need to bring this education to focus about what is happening here and like you have said, with your credentials and your, uh, you've been involved with this all of your adult life, is the, the focus of water, fresh water. Now, real quickly, what is the difference with the expense of, I've had people say this, doctor, oh, well, desalination is coming. Well, tell us the difference in price for people to put their water they have to, that they'll be using to desalinize the water into from the ocean to fresh water. How expensive is that? Well, it, it's right now it, it's it's cost prohibitive. The the amount of energy that it takes to desalinate seawater, provide fresh water is is a major hurdle. 
Now, to bring up some, the education there, about what you just said about the amount of energy, because you said earlier even the word energy. Explain to them what you mean by energy. Okay, so that's, that is the energy that you need to uh, put into the process to take the salt water and to get the salt out of that water to make the fresh water. And so that's only part of the, the challenge. The other part of the challenge is once you get the salt out of the water, what do you do with it? And people say, well, put it back in the ocean. Okay, well, so where are you, de- where are you desalinating? You're desalinating along coastlines. And so you're going to put this salt water back in along a coastline somewhere. And if you don't put it in the coastline, you take it out further in the ocean, you don't do that for free. There's energy involved in that as well. So this whole cycling process of desalinating the water and then of disposing of the salt that you salts and, and minerals that you've taken from the water and you don't want to dump them near the coast because they will be uh, laden with minerals as well that, that can be contaminating. toxic. It can There's be another toxic, type of contamination. marine system. So the it, other it, thing I'm thinking about, and you're ahead of me on this, I'm a novice, but because all the research I've done, then you're taking and changing the ocean's temperature. You're changing the ocean's chemistry of its life. Yes, you're you pulling are. out, and then you're taking what you don't want and putting it back in somewhere else. And you are impinging in, in on other ecosystems within the ocean system. And there so we it's, go. It's, it's not it's not a simple thing of. Let's build a, uh, a desalinization plant and, and yes. desalinate ocean water, and we've We're solved doing the problem. You know, I've wondered, and you can answer this too, have you found that the reason that this has been a procrastination throughout the world, and I'm not going to blame the Middle East, they didn't have the technology so far back that we have now mm-hmm. to be able to understand when you turn to sand, it's very difficult to turn this around. Is uh, from that extreme sand, and the rest of the planet can become more sand if, if, if this continues without the fresh water. But that the technology we have today is just absolutely amazing. What's available? You people know it at at the Global Science and Technology Center. What the technology would be, but for some reason, I think in the back of the world's mind, they thought, well. If it gets to the point we haven't been able to do something enough yet, we can desalinize. But they don't realize, like you just said, the energy and the money, the everything it takes. And then the, here we're doing tampering with the ecosystem of the ocean. Well, actually, Saudi Arabia is 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 doing something about it, and they're they're putting some some money and some time into developing desalinization processes that are, that are cost effective but you know it's out of ne- it's out of necessity it's the largest country in the world that doesn't have a a freshwater river right people forget that yeah and if they you know i was going to bring something else up to you today is uh what do you think that's happening over in china and india uh, with the uh, river and the dam situation. I had an article here today that talked about the uh, what was happening with that problem with the, uh, India and China and water. Well, uh, I keep coming back to population, but you're, mm-hmm. you're talking about uh, approximately about 1.3 billion people in China and 1.2 billion people in India. And so let's let's just think about that in China. The Chinese 
country is approximately the same area as the continental United States. So our population is about 320 million. Their population is 1.3 billion. That's four times our population. Well, and more see, than four India, times. India is 1.2, China is 1.3, and they're having a future of a serious crisis. Well, and, and, I, and I'm going back to the landmass area. So China is about the same size as the continental United States. So think about where you live in Grants Pass, Oregon. And your population suddenly increasing by a factor of four. So if it's 200,000 people in China, that same geographic area would be 800,000 people. What effect does that have on the water resources? Suddenly you need four times the amount of fresh water that you have. And do that over the entire continental United States. And think about that tremendous impact to the environment. Right. And so how are they responding? They're responding by building the largest dam the world has ever seen on the on their on their river system to try to Tibet respond side. to that. On the they're, Tibet side, isn't it? Uh yes. And they're putting right. a they're putting a cold fi- cold fired power plant online every month, a new one in China mm-hmm. to respond to their energy needs. So it keeps coming back to population, and how are we going to respond to that for fresh water and for energy? Mm-hmm. Now, there's another one that I got an article on. was in uh, conflicts and water supply is a key outcome to conflicts in Iraq and Syria is being warned. It was uh, today, if you, ty- if you type in conflicts over dams in Iraq and Syria, and a lot of people don't realize that in those countries, those parts of the world, they've had water wars for many years because of what was happening with shortage of water and water diminishing. Yeah, well, they certainly have some challenges that, that unfortunately, very, very much unfortunately, outweigh uh, their water and energy demands right now. Well, it says here uh, that security and analysts in London report that in Baghdad and problems, the control of rivers and dams have become a major technical weapon against humanity over there. Well, uh, water, water shortages and, and water supply have, have caused wars in this country as well. Right, exactly. And, and the it did say the, the United States is going to have some real problems. We run into that, too. As the United States, there's nobody talking about it, really, uh, the conflicts are going to be between, and a lot of people don't realize, and I, I praise our forefathers with separating us into these states, but those rivers are moving from state to state, and, 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 and like our, a lot of our, our waterheads come from Canada, and, and in would... time, we're probably going to have to pay Canada dearly for a lot of the, what we didn't plan, is and I would... that water that they have up there is abundant. Again, I would, would point your listeners back to Cadillac Desert to, to understand okay. on a large scale the, the development of, of water supplies and water law in this country. And, when, and, I, and I would beg to differ with you a little bit. I'm, I've been standing up for years in, in meetings with Western Governors Association saying we need to revisit Western water law in this country. And you would think I had boogers on my face or something in the room. Everybody looked at me like I was from... Mars or someplace, yeah, yeah. and we we all have to really take a look at 
what are the laws and the regulations yeah. that are governing us, and are are they common sense with with the changing population on this planet, the changing well, climate? Well, that's why that UN thing we, that I've discussed with you, the committee thing, eventually. We need better education because when you get people around the world discussing it, talking about it, children, and like you said, in schools, the course is about it. You get into, let's just say, Wall Street is part of it. Oh, absolutely. And then all of a sudden, the lights turn on. Now, something a lot of people don't know that I'm sure you know, and because I am the founder of the only water company like it in the world, and I've been studying water a long time, the number one investment hidden behind the door, hidden with major banks, major big investment companies, is water investing. They're not telling anybody because they don't want the world to think they're going to run all over and buy up the investments they want to buy first. Water is the number one investment. Why? Because it's, it, it's, a, it's a freshwater crisis. Well, and you can't, you can't do any development. You can't build cities and grow cities and increase agriculture and do industrialization. You can't do anything without water. Power? Your power? Power. You've got to have... Everything. Power is, 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 Everything. The, is the second thing you need. But what, without water, you're not going anywhere. Going anywhere. And the atmosphere begins to diminish because it has to have... They've got to have a recycling and relate. Our diseases are, to, to me, it's so horrible to study. It's just like you want to just close your eyes and put your hands about, around your ears and, and, and cover your face to think about it. But we are dehydrating to death. That's what those diseases are. Well, that's certainly part of it, that's for sure. Those yeah, diseases, Dr. Gerald Pollack and I have discussed... Other scientists around the world have discussed that that molecule is out of control in your body, dehydrating too quickly. Who is it that dehydrates more than another? Everybody is different. No two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike, genome studies differently, so on. It's because the body is an individual of body water evaporation, and how we treat it and how it lives with the atmosphere is a recycling. Those diseases are being postage stamped. We ha how many have you heard that we've gotten rid of? Like way back in time, you used to hear we could get rid of some. With, and they're coming with back. New vaccine. They're coming back with new strains. They're coming back. Yeah. Yes. We're yeah. evaporating too quickly. Well, I think the argument can certainly be made that, that Earth's atmosphere is under attack. And, and Earth's atmosphere is the attack because we forgot to study the water in the atmosphere and we didn't look at it like... That's water, too. Absolutely. That's why I take that so serious, Dr. Diesel. It's part of the cycle. I mean, it's well, a huge part Well, we're down to moments cycle. left. How do we find you uh, to come in to where you're at, your website? Um, it's Global Science and Technology mm -hmm. Incorporated. That's the name of the company that I work for now. I'm the chief climatologist for Global Science and Technology. Okay. Okay. You guys have quite a few things going on. I wish you well, and I know how serious you are and dedicated. I thank, thank you, you for much. being on again today. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, World Water Day is coming on March 20th. Everybody remem remember that. This show began starting our ninth year years ago, reminding the world with a message. 
water, water, water. And it's like Dr. Cecil and scientists all over the world that have joined me and been part of my team and what we try to accomplish. That water is the primary focus of all life. How do we get rid of those diseases? Remember that Ebola story over in Nigeria that they were drinking 1.3 gallons of water a day laced with sugar and salt to get rid of Ebola? And they said, oh, my gosh, it was working. Let's think about that twice, not just once. Well, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, Dr. Cecil is a very special, dedicated person and global science and technology group. We want to embrace our lives every day, which they are doing for us and with us from around the world. But you've got to remember you're embracing somebody else's life with your life you choose to live. But Earth whispers, never say goodbye. Don't take it all with you. Leave something of yourself behind. For all the children of the generations to come to know you cared. I want to thank you for listening. You have a special day. And don't forget World Water Day, and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel, with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Oh,